It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Mets lose two out of three to Texas. But we get the news that Ronnie Mauricio is coming up. So I guess that makes us all happy. The long anticipated debut of Ronnie Mauricio is finally going to happen when rosters expand to 28. So we lose two out of three to Texas. <coughs> I apologize. I'm still sick. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. Hopefully I will find out what's wrong with me. Uh, maybe it's the Mets. Maybe this caused this illness that I've been dealing with for a few weeks, but I actually attempted to go to the first game of this series, which was a huge, huge mistake because <coughs> I struggled. I got through four or five innings. I appreciate the man who sent me tickets to sit in the uh, Cadillac Club, which I appreciate. It was my first ever experience in the Cadillac Club. That's the club, by the way, in right field that um, is the uh, speakeasy. It's, I got to tell you, Pete, it's very, very cool. You don't even know it's like a club. Like you walk in and there's like a mysterious door that you open and then you're like, where the hell am I? Am I actually in City Field? So um, what, like, there's like a hundred, is it like a hundred people max? Like what, what's the, what's the capacity like over there? Not, I, it was not a big number. Like it was a small amount of people. I don't think the max was that high, but it was odd because you walk in and then I'm like, where the hell do I go? Like, is there actually a door to, 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 to go to this club? And I followed people to get in and you're in right field. There's free food, which is pretty cool. Free drinks. Um, and you're in that right field fence which you kind of see when you're watching when you're watching the game. So when DJ Stewart made a nice running catch early in the game, you kind of see me sitting there watching it all as this whole thing was happening. But there's couches, there's TVs. It's definitely a unique spot to watch a game. That's for sure. So uh, I appreciate the unnamed man that gave me tickets. It was a very, very cool experience for the five innings I was able to get through. Because I think by the fifth inning, I was throwing up in the bathroom. Oh. And that's when I realized, maybe I should go home. <laughs> maybe I maybe I can't make it through the full night. I did leave with a lead, though. At that point, the Mets were winning the game. So I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself a victory. I got home. And I obviously was home just in time to see the Trevor Gott meltdown, which was so typical and frustrating when it looked like he was going to get through the ninth inning. <coughs> excuse me, after the back-to-back strikeouts. And then Nathaniel Lowe comes through with a two-out single, and the Rangers take the lead. Vientos, I think. Well, Vientos' home run, I think, was the next night. I'm trying to get these these games together. Yeah, that was the second night when we were down 2 nothing, and Vientos hit the home run off Chapman with two outs and nobody on in the ninth inning. No, the, the Monday game was Trevor God gives up the lead, and then Omar Narvaez comes up after the Alvarez walk makes pretty damn good contact on a ball that could have been, you know, off the bat, you're thinking maybe a walk-off two-run home run, and then it just dies in right field and nestles into the right fielder's glove, and we lose the opener of this series. But for the few hours I was there, man, I got to tell you, the Cadillac Club is a, it's a, it's a worthy experience for those that have um, never sat there. It's a very different view. I mean, sitting inside right field, uh, it's not a view I've ever experienced. So definitely pretty cool, but it was frustrating. It was just a typical frustrating Met loss 
from a bullpen that is featuring auditions right now for guys to be a part of the bullpen next year. And right now, nobody is hitting their auditions. Like nobody. I don't think we're sitting back looking, saying, boy, let me circle this guy. This guy's got to be in the bullpen next year. You know, Trevor Gott will be one of those guys that's in the mix just because he's under team control. But Gott's not going to be one of those guys any of us have any confidence in. And really, there's nobody. I mean, even Brooks Raley. Look how bad Brooks Raley's been his last few appearances, including the finale of this series when he faces three guys, puts them all on base. Adam Ottavino will be in this bullpen next year, and he's had a shaky up and down year this year. Now, one person's going to have any confidence in Otto. So when we look towards what this team is in 2024, besides rebuilding the rotation, besides fortifying this lineup, they're going to have to add multiple bullpen arms. Because this bullpen, even with just the return of Edwin Diaz, is not going to be enough in 2024. Speaking of the return of Edwin Diaz, that appears like it's on its way. He continues to have bullpen sessions and feel good. Uh, Buck was asked, what's the update on Edwin? Like, what's the next step? He threw a bullpen session. And Buck's answer was, I have no idea. (laughs) He didn't even offer us a, what's the next step? I'll tell you what I think the next step is. I think he's coming back. I think he may get, you know, maybe a rehab game here and there. But Edwin Diaz feels good. He wants to return from that catastrophic injury. And at this point, I don't think the Mets are going to stand in his way. And I've mentioned this before on the Rico. I'm not against it. If he's able to come back, if he's physically able to come back, if there's no risk towards re-injury, and I don't think there would be, then I don't have any issue with him making some kind of return over the final month of the year. It's just a shame that the Mets are out of it because it would have been really, really cool if we were in a pennant race to have Edwin Diaz come back, trumpets blaring with a chance to make an impact. So unfortunately, that impact is not for us. It's the impact for himself to prove that he can come back from this catastrophic knee injury. But I don't know about you, Pete. I got no issue if Edwin Diaz does come back. Uh, It's good for him. It's good for his self-confidence. So if he comes back, he comes back. No, I I think at this point in time, I'm warming up to it. It is what it is. It's the inevitable. So I just got to support it. And really, it would be fitting for him to come back on a special day in September. Maybe one like, you know, when they officially retire Bartolo Colon and he comes out no, the trumpets stop. and comes and says them. You know, that that's really what I'm looking forward to is is something like that. Something special. Hey, can I just I, throw something out there really quick? I and I'm just like the sarcasm. What what is it already? But reality is, and this is not sarcastic, we're doing all these like tryouts basically for the bullpen. Is it stupid to put in a claim for someone like maybe a Ronaldo Lopez or somebody not Leone, who we had already, but anybody that's out on there on, on the waivers right now that, hey, maybe give them a one-month audition through that. We'll pay the million dollars or whatever it is to see what they have because maybe they fit our bullpen next year rather than this crap that we see right now on a regular basis. Yeah, No, it does because if the guy is going to be under team control in 2024, then it makes complete sense. Then it's completely worth it. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, I think, I think I he may have one year. more year of control. So if they claim the guy like Lopez from Anaheim, they would have him for next year. I don't think he's a free agent at the end of this season. If the guy's a free agent at the end of this season, it's sort of a waste. Like you're claiming him for, <coughs> excuse me, for a couple of weeks and it serves no purpose. 
I'd have to look over Lopez's contract again, but I think he's got one more year of team control. So bringing a guy like that in because, hey, you need more arms to throw at the wall in 2024, I'd have no issue with. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, Matt Moore is another name. I got to look at his contract. I think Matt Moore is a free agent at the end of the year, though. So if a guy's a free agent, it doesn't make as much sense. Uh, Speaking of auditions, game two of this series, the Mets can't hit. It's 0-0. And the moment Drew Smith walks through that door, we all know the result. Like There's nothing more automatic than Drew Smith coming into a scoreless game or a tie game or a game where the Mets are up by one and him delivering a solo home run to the opponent. Like There's no more lock in Major League Baseball. So when Drew Smith comes into a 0-0 game in the seventh inning, I'm not even kidding you. I think it was the second pitch he threw. Like it wasn't even a tease. It was just an immediate, hey, Mitch Garver, what's up, bro? Boom, home run. Rangers take a one nothing late. <laughs> He's a guy that none of us can trust. None of us can trust Drew Smith. And that was obviously the game. They go down 2 nothing. Vientos hits the two-out home run against Chapman in the ninth inning. And they come up small 2-1 against Texas in the second game of this series, following Drew Smith giving up the home run in the seventh inning. The bullpen did everything it could to blow the finale of this series after they got a stunningly solid pitching performance by a guy who we didn't even know how to pronounce the name of. But now, now if you watch the SNY broadcast, we all now know that it's Den, what did they say, Den V. Reyes? Not Den V. Reyes, Den Den G. Reyes, that's what it is now. I always thought it was Den Yi Reyes, D-E-N-Y-I Reyes. We found out it's Den G. Reyes. Where that G comes from, I have no idea. But Denji Reyes to the best game of his career, pitching into the sixth inning before we had to watch that bullpen. And I think Gary made this comment as the Met bullpen was walking 18 guys. Thank God for the pitch clock. When Sean Reed Foley comes in and walks the bases loaded, thank God for the pitch clock. When Brooks Raley can't get an out in the eighth inning, thank God for the pitch clock. When Adam Adovino's hitting a guy and walking a guy, Thank God for the pitch clock. That game, which was a three-hour, 17-minute game, <laughs> without the pitch clock's a four-hour game. That's where we're benefiting from the pitch clock, watching the bad baseball at the end of the season that none of us saw coming. But the bullpen performance in the finale of this series between Reed Foley and Rally and Adovino, Trevor got actually pitched well. I can't pick on him. Jeb Brigham put a million guys on base. It was so freaking putrid. And I'm stunned they won the game because when Adovino gets the 1-2-3 double play, which reminded me of what we saw on Monday, after Gott got the back-to-back strikeouts with first and third nobody out, we call it the tease, the bullpen tease. The idea of, I don't worry, we're going to get through this. Adovino gets a 1-2-3 double play. Next batter, Jonah Heim. He's an out away from getting through a tie game. Two runs single to the left center field. Like on freaking cue. And then we've got our modern day Babe Ruth. The man who has shockingly been good since this season has gone to the shits. DJ Stewart. And Hoff asked me something off air recently. He said, Evan, is DJ Stewart going to be on the Mets next year? And I looked at him. I said, maybe. Yeah, why not? 
I mean, DJ Stewart's playing his way on to the 2024 Mets. And what's wrong with that, Pete? Oh, come on. <laughs> Listen, all right. Let, let me just go back to something I always go to. And I go back to the New York Yankees when guys like Sean Chacon and Aaron Small were significant pieces in a playoff run. And then what happened? They got an invite to the to the team the next year, and I don't think they made the cut. That's DJ Stewart. He's a not he's having a nice renaissance month, but besides that, he's not a fourth outfielder or infielder. He's not that type of he's not he's a he's a utility guy at best. But we can't sit there and say, well, he'll, he'll he's going to turn into that super utility guy that well, we well, need. Hold on, hold on. I want to make something clear. I don't view DJ Stewart as <laughs> excuse me as the left-handed DH next year by any stretch. All I'm saying is, you know, as DJ Stewart earned his way as the 25th or 26th guy onto this roster next year as a left-handed batter off the bench, why the hell not? You know, I don't think he's the Daniel Vogelback of next year. I think if the Mets go into next year with DJ Stewart as the left-handed DH, that's a major problem. But he has hit a lot over the last couple of weeks where he's on my radar. He should be on all our radars as a guy that, yeah, why not? Maybe he's on the roster next year. That's all. I'm back fifth at DH next year. I, I just oh I we go, always go back to like this year for example we were like trying to fill in the we were filling in the bench. There's so many so limited in in the field. Let's fill in the bench and we're going like Tim LaCastro's, the Vogelbacks of the world, the Luis Guillermes. I'm like simpler times. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we could survive with DJ Stewart being on the bench next year. He may have to be like a call up in June or July to help us out through a little bit, you know? That's all so, I'm saying. I don't know what the hell you're saying. You don't want this guy anywhere near the uh, I, uh, the 25, 26-man roster next year? I, I feel like we need higher higher expectations for, for the Mets. He's having a nice month. Good for him. I've seen plenty of people have nice months and suck the rest of their career. Yeah, he is um, – He's 30, so it's not like he's 25 <laughs> years old. He's going to turn 30 in November, so he is no kid. See, there are guys that I won't get fooled by by playing well this time of year, and then the guys I'm like, all right, maybe there's something there. Daniel Vogelback getting hot does not fool me. <laughs> so I don't look at Vogelback and say, boy, he can play his way back onto this roster next year. Uh, Jonathan Aruz, not going to fool me. Not that he has. The guy's hit about 160. I think DJ Stewart, who has been a major leaguer before with the Orioles, uh, could he fool me enough into making me think that's a guy who can fill out the back end of the roster next year? Sure. But that's all I'm saying. I'm certainly not fooled enough to think he could be the right fielder next year or he can be the DH next year because that's certainly not the case. You know, you look at this roster right now and you try to figure out, okay, who's here next year? Assuming they don't trade Pete Alonso. And they don't trade Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor is here. Uh, and they give Brett Beatty a new opportunity to win the third base job next year. The infield is pretty much set. The outfield may have a couple of openings because, you know, Nimmo's in center. Marte's going to get a chance to play right field. You know, I don't know if he'll ever come back this year from this groin injury, even though he's rehabbing. But whether he does or he doesn't, he's going to be the right fielder next year. So then you go towards left field and say, who has a chance to take the left field job? 
And to me, the guy who's going to have a great opportunity is the guy who's going to make his major league debut in a few days, and that's Ronnie Mauricio. This is a real big opportunity now for Ronnie Mauricio to impact his potential on this 2024 team. It took a while. It's frustrating that it took it a while. But the fact he's finally coming up, we'll see where they play him defensively. Uh, When I say left field, look, he could turn out to be the second baseman. Jeff McNeil could play left field. You know, I'm not sure. We'll have to see just based on where they're comfortable with him defensively. But either way, he can earn himself an everyday role next season. If it's in left field or if it's at second base, that'll be determined based on the defensive priority. But outside of that, a lot of these position spots are going to be pretty much filled going into next year. Francisco Alvarez will be the catcher despite his real struggles. You know, he had a quality at-bat late in the finale of this series, the at-bat against Chapman in the 10th inning, which was encouraging. So he'll give you these moments where you're encouraged, but he hit one home run in the month of August. His batting average has dipped so low in the month of August. Now, that doesn't change my view that going into next year, he's the everyday catcher. And Omar Narvaez is a perfect backup. I think that is a perfect kind of tag team behind the plate of Alvarez and Narvaez. Narvaez is a good insurance policy, too, in case Alvarez doesn't hit. But Mauricio absolutely comes up with a chance to make an impact and possibly play his way into being an everyday player for this team in 2024, which is what we've been waiting for for months and months and months. You know, we look across at the Yankees who are calling up all their prospects, and why not? The season's over, and we're finally seeing the Mets do it with Ronnie Mauricio, even, Pete, if it feels like it's way too late. Oh, it's it, and you, you nailed it. it. It is way too late. The, the, this could have happened in, in freaking May. And the funny thing is, I had a conversation with BT before because Jason Dominguez is getting the phone is getting the call for the Yankees, and he I think had like a very brief stint in AAA. And the whole thing is, well, th- did he have enough time? Why does anybody care about? triple a anymore and i'm not trying to, to minimize it but the fact is like there's we've seen time after time after time plenty of players perform well at double a and then perform well in the majors so what what is why couldn't the mets have made that jump i think their hesitation on mauricio at least i'm trying to believe what they've said publicly has been more about defense than anything <laughs> that that's been their big hesitation with him, that they haven't trusted him to be a major league defensive player over the last few months. Now, what's changed uh, on September 1st? Probably nothing. I think it's more that it's September 1st, the rosters expand, let's throw them out there and see what they got. But that was publicly what they've been telling us, that their biggest issue is defense. Question, uh, not to be a dick, but like, the Mets have sucked defensively all season long. I think Mauricio would fit right in. (laughs) <laughs> let's be serious they have not been a good defensive team no, no. I agree with you but I think that they want to protect their young players I don't want to defend it by any stretch I'm just explaining what we've been told the BS we've been told for the last couple of months like I, if it was up to me I would have called up Ronnie Mauricio probably back in April like most of us I would have called him up and seen what he got I think the other question is when they recall Brett Beatty like, when does Brett Beatty now, who has spent a couple of weeks at AAA, get the call back up where we see him start to play third base every day at the major league? Major, 
Oh, oh there he goes, me. folks. Woof, that was a big one. Yeah. I'm st- he <laughs> is, the, folks, this, folks, geez, I'm like an old man. I'm playing injured, man. He is, and you're, you're trying hard. Uh, listen, really quickly, we just got to talk about one quick thing. Did you see about Joey Lucchese? What about him? I was hurt. He got hit by a liner. Yeah, yeah. In the head. I think he's okay, right? I think he's all right. I, I hope, hope so. Right. Boy, I'm glad I made through 20 minutes because, yeah. you know, the idea I was going to do an hour was crazy right now. Let me just read one email. Yeah, go And for I it. apologize. Once I get healthy, we'll uh, we'll do longer Ricos. We'll do extra Ricos. I'm very, very sorry. Right now, it's just tough to get through 10 minutes, basically, talking. But Fred Solomon wrote an email about the retired numbers I wanted to address. This is a tricky topic is because once you set the standard for what numbers get retired, you start the whole what about game. Example, 14 and 37 are retired. Why does this franchise refuse to acknowledge Davey Johnson? Can we retire five for him at right while the man is still alive? <coughs> so I, I think that if you want to retire five for Davey Johnson, You can do it. I don't have a problem with it. We have definite examples of organizations retiring one number from multiple guys. But understand, nobody's going to think of Davey Johnson. Like, we just have to accept that. Like, if they put five up on the the, uh, the stadium board twice, no one's going to think of Davey. That's a David Wright number. So I have no problem doing it, you know, especially since, like you mentioned, Casey Stay... Casey Stengel's number is not retired, though, based on success. He was one of the worst managers in the history of the franchise. His number is retired based on the history he has in this city. Gil Hodges' number is retired, yeah, because they won the World Series in 69, but also because he died tragically. Like, let's not ignore that. That's that's a big part of it. But if you want to say, listen, there's only two managers that have won a World Series with this team, Gil being one of it, Davey being the other, let's put his number up there. You can do it. I don't have a problem with it, but there's very few people that are ever going to think of Davey Johnson when they look at number five. Even now, that will always, 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 always be about David Wright. Thomas writes, crazy idea to fill out the pitching staff. Why not sign Noah Syndergaard? He was just DFA'd by Cleveland. You can't do much worse than what the Mets have been rolling out. Uh, You know what I would do? You want to bring in Noah Syndergaard to kind of finish his career with the Mets, no problem. I'd make him a reliever, though. Bring him in here. Say, Noah, let's see if you can be a major league reliever. Let's see if you could redefine yourself as a big arm out of the bullpen. And if he's willing to do it, and at this point he should, because otherwise his major league career is over, then why not? Like we talked about at the top of the podcast, they're going to have a lot of arms auditioning for bullpen roles. Why not Noah Syndergaard? Well, not for nothing, but like if we remember Generation K, what happened to Jason Isringhausen? He turned into like a great closer. He did. Became a very good closer for more than a decade, no doubt. That's kind of like what I feel. I'm not saying that Harvey can get a, a, a role in, 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 I know he's doing the real estate stuff, but at this point in time, those guys, that's their best bet back into the league. What Think about that generation of arms that the Mets had. Noah Syndergaard maybe out of baseball. Matt Harvey is out of baseball. Steve Matt stinks. <coughs> DeGrom at second time job. And Zach Wheeler's the last man standing, which is incredible. Uh, I apologize. I can't do much more. 
Hopefully I'll get back healthy soon, especially in time for Tuesday on the fan, but certainly for the Rico as well. We appreciate you listening to the Rico Bronya. Uh, you can email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com. And once I'm healthy, me and Pete will start pummeling out a lot more long form Rico Bronyas. Thank you though for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 